Dylan with Life, a podcast about life and Dylan with it. This episode opens up with a serious talk about the death of boxer Patrick Day and the dangers of high-impact sports. I also discuss leafy greens and give a food recommendation. So let's go. I used to think if I couldn't find hope, I should just let it all go. I used to think if I couldn't make dreams come true, I should just let them all This episode's going to start a little bit heavy, because there's been something that's been on my mind the past couple of days. I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan, all sports. I don't really understand cricket or rugby, but I appreciate them for sure. But my love of sports, um, it includes all sports, especially um, being quite the big MMA and boxing fan. And this week... Um, 27-year-old boxer Patrick Day passed away due to head trauma that he suffered in a fight. It's the type of news that stops you in your tracks. It's situations like these that really make me think about the sports and brands that I'm supporting. I really go through quite the internal struggle. I play hockey and have had many concussions and have lived through the hell of what comes with those head injuries, especially repeated head injuries. And I I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. The fact that these sports, be it boxing, mixed martial arts, hockey, or football, are all aware of the issues surrounding concussions and the long-term effects that they have on these athletes, yet still continue to operate with little to no substantial changes into preventing these injuries or helping athletes deal with life after their career is, is alarming. At the end of the day, it's really money over well-being, and that's it's hard to support, especially when something like this happens. But then I look at myself and I ask, why, after all these injuries of my own, do I still get on the ice twice a week and risk suffering another life-altering brain injury? And really, the answer is because I'm never as truly happy as I am when I'm with my teammates out on the ice. Hockey has been my passion since before I can even remember, and I wouldn't give it up for anything, honestly. It's provided me a strong social network, given me confidence, kept me out of trouble, and really just gave me a space to get away from everything else in my life, whether it's like a bad day at work or some sort of relationship issue or I'm not feeling myself, hockey's always there for me and and it's helped me grow as a person. So when these tragic moments happen with athletes, I take solace in the fact that I know their sport gave them what they wanted in life and for that they were willing to give it theirs. It doesn't mean that these sports are perfect, doesn't make these moments any less heartbreaking, but it does do some good to remember just how many lives sports save compared to how many they take. There's kids all throughout the world that 
are dealing with issues of their own, but they can go into that gym or they can get on the pitch or they can get on the ice and, and forget about their life for a little while and put their all, their mind, their body into into their sport. It it really means the world to kids that grow up playing sports. Yeah. In any case, my sincere condolences to, to Patrick Day's family and friends in this time. Don't really know how to uh, segue off of something heavy like that. But I guess speaking of uh, kids, I've had this weird idea for, I guess, the way that households could be run and maybe should be run. And that is that there should be four parent households instead of our normal two now. Obviously, the logistics of that need to be figured out because you can't really have four biological parents to a child. But if there was a way for two couples that were extremely close as friends, that were living together, you know, obviously people are roommates in, in situations like that all the time and all over. If they both wanted kids, I mean, maybe you look at just for logistical reasons, they were to, to adopt a child. I think that that would be not only a great environment for the kid growing up with four parents, you know, there's different people to talk to about different things. You can learn something from one dad and this from that mom and this from this dad. And, you know, you'd get four different personalities to really learn and and grow into instead of just two. And then for the parents, the, the time that you would get, obviously having a child is, is really giving up your life for, for quite a while. There's a lot to do there. If you had not only another person, but another couple to help you with that, babysitters wouldn't really be an issue anymore. You can obviously go out, you can have this week for that couple and this week for them and this week the the girls go out and the next week the guys go out and you can find the time to do that and it all seems fair and you're all in it together and then for the kids as well you know if they want to go out and kick the ball around or they want to go out and and see a play or they want to go and do things they also have more people that can help that happen they can go with one of four parents now then you know you've got four incomes working together in a household. That's obviously going to help the child as well and help the kid or kids be set up for for school later or different things in life. And obviously that ties a couple to another couple, which would be pretty difficult when uh, just tying two people together is hard enough at it as is. But then within that, you know, maybe there's a better chance of a bigger group staying together and being a, a permanent part of that kid's life. If one of the couples ends up breaking up, well, then the kid still has a a set of parents that's there and in a loving relationship. And then obviously, we'll still be able to see the other mom and dad. Never really thought about this out loud, but I like it. I think it could work. I think it could work for sure. I think I would have been much more happy like if I had a situation like that. I also think it'd be a lot less scary to go into parenting if I was doing it with not just one other person. If I was doing it with three other people and we can all game plan and we can all take turns doing this and doing that and 
we're allowed to have bad days, we're allowed to be tired, and you've got a bigger support team there, mostly or mainly for, for the financial obligations. I went for dinner this week with a good friend of mine, and this uh, sort of ties into both things we've touched on already, but I don't know how we got onto it, but we were just talking, and he had mentioned the, or we had sort of got talking, and somehow the idea of an extracurricular tax came up. And we both were pretty excited about the idea. Basically, implementing a tax that would go to paying for extracurricular activities for children. I would have loved to play hockey as soon as I could when I was five years old, but I had a single mom and she didn't have any money and I wasn't able to get into hockey until I was 11 years old. And even then, all my gear was secondhand from other coaches and players that were kind enough to help me. And that's, that's great. I love that there's a community for that. But if there was some sort of fund that parents could dip into Maybe parents of a specific income bracket could dip into to help put their kids into any extracurricular. It doesn't have to be a sport, you know, it could be scouts or or something like that. But something that would allow kids to, to be involved in different activities outside of just school and whatever their friend circle is. But getting them out, playing sports, doing things that they're interested in, you know, maybe music classes, something like that. I'd certainly be willing to pay it, especially, you know, me growing up the way I did and knowing what that would have meant for me. I would be totally on board with paying towards that to be able to provide that for a young kid growing up now. Basically, sports are too goddamn expensive. Everything's too goddamn expensive, but especially, at least from what I can speak on, sports are way too expensive. As a kid, obviously, I didn't have to pay for them, but my mom did and barely, barely could pay for them. Had to get help from friends and things to to pay them off at certain times. And then even now, as an adult, trying to play rec hockey is ridiculous. For my hockey team, where I live, it's $13,000 to play a season for 30 games. One team, $13,000. Makes no sense. There's no way that that's the cost of operating or anywhere near the cost of operating while turning a a decent revenue. Like, they are making good money on you. And it's frustrating as hell. Makes me want to start my own league. And that's really all it is, is they're the ones that did it, started it, and have it running. If anybody wanted to just start their own league and go through the process themselves of renting the ice and getting the refs and doing this or with any other sport, renting the fields or whatever it may be and setting up the league and getting the contacts and getting people in, you could run a much cheaper league so much easier. People would gravitate to you quickly because costs would be so goddamn low compared to what they've been paying. What I'm trying to get at is that I find it ironic how society applies this pressure to everyone to be more fit and in shape and live a healthier lifestyle, but in reality, it's not easy for people to shell out that kind of money to participate in these extracurricular activities or even get a gym membership. If you want a happier and healthier population, there needs to be some way of bringing these costs down and making them easier and more accessible for everyone. What else has been going on recently? 
I just, I finally got this week a fireplace TV stand that I have had my eyes on for literally a year. It was last October that I first saw this thing. And I've been trying to find the, trying to find the money really to buy it. It came on sale. It went on sale last year too, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. But back on sale this year, finally got it, got it in here. It took like an hour to set up with a friend. Still took us an hour. Definitely worth it though. There's just something calming. Even a fake electric fireplace, there's just something calming about it that you don't get from other things. You don't get it from just normal lights around your house, no matter how warm or what kind of lights you get. You don't get it from from a candle having a two foot by two foot flame going there. Something about the flickering lights, that nice orange glow is so, so calming. And then basically with my influx of plants lately, the fireplace, lots of wood furniture, I'm realizing I'm just trying to turn the inside of my house to the outside world. Even the artwork on my walls, I've got this like black and white foggy forest. That's a big piece on the wall. Got some wolves. Picture of a totem pole. Yeah, but I guess I just want to live outside. But in the comfort and warmth of my house. Is that what we all want? Is living in a concrete or wooden drywalled and paint box comfortable for any of us? I feel like being outside is always more comfortable, always more natural. I and mean, it's only been a few hundred years, or I guess, depending on, on where you are, where you come from, what your background is, a thousand or so years since we've been inside and not outside all the time. There's no way that it's a, it's a comfortable feeling for our minds to, you know, if we look around, if I look around right now, there's no way of me seeing more than maybe 25 feet away. The blinds on my sliding door are closed, and that's five feet away from me. There's a wall a foot behind me. There's another wall 10 feet in front of me, and then I can sort of see off to the rest of my house the other ways, but I can't see further than 25 feet in any direction. And I feel like that probably is a some cause for anxiety. That's why people like having windows and things and why we like being outside. I imagine that as technology progresses, our artwork or our walls might just turn into outdoor scenes, the windows to different places in the world. If I could replace this wall with what just looks like a a forest, even if it's just a 4K screen of a forest, but it's programmed for animals to walk by every now and then, I'd probably just come home sit on the couch and relax looking at that. I don't think I'd turn the TV on. I think I'd be able to just relax like that. You know, have a beer, maybe a little bit of the the devil's lettuce. Let me get real here for a second, though, if you don't mind. Weed is not the devil's lettuce. There's no way in hell the devil is down there munching through his stash. Especially when he probably pays a ton for it. Probably gets it from one of the fallen angels, Gonjicus or something like that, has that good good. Also, I'm sure the devil shit makes you crazy paranoid. Probably like the worst high. 
But anyways, there's no way that weed is the devil's lettuce. The real devil's lettuce is cilantro. I can guarantee you in hell all salads are made with cilantro. And that's honestly the number one reason I'm not trying to go there. Who wants the... You're basically eating soap, but it doesn't look like it. So your mind's like... Your brain's having such a hard time trying to process the fact that it's like eating leafy greens and you just hate every second of it. And I don't get how it's such a bad tasting item. It's like you look at every other leafy green thing and it's so much better. You got spinach and lettuce and kale, parsley and oregano, rosemary. They're all fine. They're all great. Mint, you know, good stuff. Grass. You ever just eat some grass? Been out in the sun a little too long? Sun tanning? Roll over, you accidentally pull a clump out? Give it a chew? Not saying it tastes great, but I'm saying it tastes a hell of a lot better than cilantro does. That fucking devil's lettuce there. The thing is, my favorite food item is probably a burrito. I know pizza's a a good way to go. Pizza's up there for sure. Burgers are cool. But burritos and wraps, they're just, they're the best way to consume food. You just take all the food you want to eat, throw it together, wrap it up in this thin little bread plate, and then you just put it all in your mouth. It's great. But I would much rather have a handful of grass in my burrito than like a pinch of cilantro. Especially if I'm aware of it, because then I wouldn't be able to enjoy any of the burrito because I'd be in fear of when that bite of cilantro was coming. And then even if I didn't know, and it's just a pinch, then I'd be, oh, this is a great burrito. I'm enjoying this so much. And then that bite comes, and it's like this top top seven worst burritos probably. Because I think I've had six with cilantro to date. You know, the main reason for me starting this podcast is because I want to be myself. At work, I feel like I'm someone else. I'm my work self. Hockey, I'm someone else. With the boys, I'm someone else. If I'm on a date, I'm someone else. I have this problem of only showing the people around me the parts of me I think they'll like or the parts of me that I think will fit in. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, makes it easier for people to like me, I guess. But because of that, there's only a couple people who truly know me. And then even then, they probably don't really know me. Like they've seen all parts, they've seen all sides, they know who I can be, but they I'm still I still put on a specific Dylan for them. Even now doing this podcast, I feel like I'm trying to portray someone who most people will like instead of just being me. To a degree. Not that these thoughts aren't exactly what I feel, but more so my cadence and my true off-the-cuff talk. I, I hope that I get to that point. I feel I've been doing a good job so far, but that's definitely sort of the goal here, is to have a space to really be myself 
and to really put myself out there and see see who enjoys it. I think that probably my friends and family listening to this will learn a lot more about me than most of them have gotten just from our, our regular life experiences. And I think that's probably a good thing. I think that'll be a weight off of my shoulders if I can get to the point where I'm just completely comfortable shooting the shit here the way that I want to, not the way that I think I should or think I need to in order to be liked or accepted by the most people. Speaking of trying to be liked and accepted by the most people, there's uh, some elections coming up, which I'm sure everybody wants to talk about. Tons of fun. But I have to vote tomorrow in my Canadian election. It's going to be an interesting year for sure. Seems like a minority government's going to happen. Trudeau and the Liberals have lost too many people here. I'll be voting NDP. Bitches. You can vote however you want. Doesn't change you as a person. But your actions do make you the person you are. So I don't care who you vote, just be a good person. And then the state's got one coming up. That'll be fucking fun to watch. I don't know how they're going to shake that down. Trump's going to get pretty much exactly what he got last year, or similar to it. Like, he's not just going to drop off and he's not going to jump up. So it really depends on what the Dems want to do. Do they want to put up another horrible candidate like last time with Hillary and throw Joe Biden up there? Do they finally see that and realize that if they really care about actually just winning and getting somebody in power that's going to be closer to their values, that they need to make Bernie their candidate? Probably not. It's probably going to be Elizabeth Warren. But it's good. I think the last election was a, was a pivotal point for politics in the States. You see how big Bernie got. And now you've got people like AOC and Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard still trying. And I, lo- I love Tulsi, but she's not really being accepted, at least not by the media and other people as much as she should. But it does look like progress which is a good thing. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully we can get uh, somebody a little more progressive in there because the world needs some help. Yeah, the world really needs some help right now. It's crazy. I spent a couple months away from everything, like away from the news, away from my phone, away from updates because I had a after my last concussion, I had a crazy spat of anxiety and depression. And I just needed to unplug and get away from, from everything else and just focus on my mental health and getting back to normal. And then started feeling good and feeling somewhat close to normal again. And then get back on my phone and reading about this and reading about that. And the Amazon's burning and people are still building pipelines. I don't know, man. We have the te- We have the technology. We need to start using it. Quit making freezies, you know? Shout out last episode. Fuck freezies. Gotta figure something out, because these summers are getting hot, and I do not like the heat. Don't do well in it. Get heat stroke easily. Sweat a lot, too. Nothing worse than being sweaty when you don't want to be sweaty. 
Not many things better than being sweaty when you want to be sweaty either, right? But being sweaty when you don't want to be sweaty, ugh. Get me out of there. Put me in a fridge. Because not only is it just uncomfortable, it's also something that, depending on what you're wearing, other people are going to notice. So it's uncomfortable, and then it causes anxiety, like, they, can they see my sweat? Am I, am, is is there is there a sweat mark on my back? And then I can't I can't see my back. How am I gonna check? So you gotta like pull your shirt off your back and then put your other hand up the back of your shirt and feel if it's wet. And if it is, you still really aren't that sure. So then you gotta like go along the outside of the back of the shirt. But then you don't know even if you are feeling some moisture whether that's visible. Fuck summer. Maybe not summer, but yeah, it sucks. It'd be super cool if the sun could be cold, you know? Oh, it's a bright sunny day. It's minus 10 degrees. If the sun just emit coldness, I'd like that. I'd be down for that. Speaking of cold stuff and cool stuff, we're getting to the end of the episode here. And that means that I need to get a recommendation in. And the recommendation for this episode is ice cream sandwiches. I loved ice cream sandwiches as a kid who didn't. Basically like cookie and ice cream as a sandwich. I wonder if they have ice cream burritos. That would be something. They must. Anyway, ice cream sandwiches. Great as a kid, and then you grow up, and you're like, I'm an adult. I don't need ice cream sandwiches anymore. But then you have an ice cream sandwich as an adult, and you're like, wait. I can have this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because I'm an adult. And I make the rules. I bought a box recently, and I'm doing just that. Definitely my breakfast. Great way to start the day. Nice cream sandwich. So, support the podcast. Go follow on Instagram and Twitter. Go get yourself an ice cream sandwich. Get yourself an ice cream sandwich. If you enjoy it way more than you thought you did, then go follow me on Twitter and and Instagram and tell me all about it. If you don't enjoy it, then don't follow me. I don't care. I don't want you to follow me if you don't enjoy an ice cream sandwich anyway. In any case, this has been another installment of Dylan with Life. I will talk with you guys next week.